You are listening to Holy Words from Holy Cross, the sermon podcast of Holy Cross Evangelical Lutheran Church in Nazareth, Pennsylvania. We hope you find these words a blessing in your daily walk with God. Please visit us on the web at www.holycrossnazareth.org or in person at 696 Johnson Road, Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Don't be all else to me, save that thou art. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Lord, you have heard your servant cry out for mercy this night. I ask that a word would be sent, and if the word is sent by you, it can be heard. If it can be heard, it can be believed. If it can be believed, we can call on your name. And we call on your name, we can be saved. Almighty and merciful God, I pray earnestly that your hands are placed upon me on this day. That you would guide my tongue, that it only speak the words that are acceptable to you, that they may have integrity, gravity, and sound speech. It is in your precious name, Lord Jesus, that we pray for this blessing in this way. Amen. It's called a relative communication. And what relative communication simply means is you tell of an experience that people can relate to. And as you're relating that experience to them, they begin to nod their heads. Yes, yes, I I can associate with that. I can recognize that. Well, this morning I would like to do things in this order. From the Roman text, offer an understanding, offer an example, offer a conclusion, and then offer you a personal testimony that I hope will make sense of what was just shared. Paul himself starts with a relative communication. He's talking to people about a subject that literally, to a point, almost everybody can associate with. And that is the estate of marriage and how that marriage can only be dissolved in a specific way under the law. So Paul goes on to say that in speaking about the law, we know that as long as your spouse is alive, by the law, you are bound to them. Unless your spouse rests with the Lord. Then your vow that you have made, you are released from. So that is the understanding that Paul is communicating first. He's getting everybody to know and recognize that 
this is something we can associate with. We know how this interplays. So if we can use this as a baseline, then we can understand that which is going to be communicated next. So what Paul does next is he gives the example on how at one time we were bound, united if you will, to the world. And he goes on to say, so brothers and sisters, when we die in Christ, we are released from the law. So when does that take place? It takes place at our baptism because we are baptized into the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in our baptism, we die to the law. We are no longer bound by it. And the example that Paul puts forth here is easy for us to understand. Because as long as we were living in the way of the world, we were living in a sinful nature. It was not possible for us to adhere to the law. So therefore, all of the law that is put forth for us, when it tells us what we should do and when we don't do, there is a consequence to pay. So as long as we live in a life where we are disobedient to God and obedient to the world, then the only fruit that we will bear is fruit for death. But we need to recognize that we have been set free from that in Jesus Christ. For the world put our Lord and Savior to death to try to overpower and silence him. But we know that Christ overpowered death. So when we are baptized into the death of Jesus Christ, we are then raised to new life in the Spirit. So therefore, we no longer live our life according to the world. We live our life according to the Word. And the more the word becomes a part of our life, the more we are able to recognize that Jesus was the model of the godly life. He was a sacrifice for sin. And he gives us the example by which we are supposed to live. Now it says of Jesus that Jesus was the perfect obedient. We need to drop the word perfect for ourselves. When we are alive in Christ but dead to the world, we are in obedience to Christ. But perfection is something that we're not going to be able to achieve. Because that old person, that worldly person, constantly tries to come back to life. And it has to be suppressed by the life of Christ in us. Christ also displayed a perfect receptivity to God and a perfect willingness to subordinate his own will, give his own will away in lieu of the will of the Heavenly Father. Again, the one thing we need to drop is the word perfect because we are not going to be submissive in all of those things. We are going to find ourselves 
taking a wrong step but then being called back because we are dead in Christ but alive in Christ we no longer live by the world in disobedience to God we live in obedience to Christ and try to live our lives in the way that he has modeled for us the conclusion comes in the third part of today's reading so verses 1 and 3 1 through 3 talk to us about the understanding of how we are dead to the world and then freed from the law and then verses 4, 5, and 6 are the example that Paul gives us on how when dead to the world we are alive in Christ and now comes the conclusion so therefore is the law no good no the law is beautiful and perfect but you see just like in the garden of Eden when God created all things good and he gave this to Adam and with Adam his suitable helper Eve to dress till and keep to have dominion to replenish and to subdue the earth this was the purpose of their unity but what happened when God said you shall not eat of this one tree the deceiver came the deceiver came and simply spoke and when he spoke he used this type of language surely you will not die and this encouraged our ancestors to be disobedient and revolt and live according to the world and sure enough death entered through sin and that is Paul's conclusion and what he is writing to us today that the law is beautiful and good it was intended to bring life because it shows us what God finds acceptable to him. What is right in his sight, what is just in his presence. But here comes the deceiver. And the deceiver comes in and points to the commandments and causes us to be disobedient to them. On Tuesday nights we are looking at the large catechism by Martin Luther. We have spent the last eight weeks looking at the first five commandments and just started on the sixth commandment. And we can see in there all the goodness that God has placed in those commandments. But we also see in there how the deceiver is constantly trying to get us to be disobedient to them. But you know how he has accomplished his masterful craft the most? By people not looking at the Ten Commandments at all. That they're non-existent. You know what? We can't have them in a public place. Take them down. And then we're not able to see and recognize them. And we fall into the dis disobedience of the way of the world. And not in obedience to the word in Jesus Christ. The personal witness. I hope this makes sense to you. 
So in 2019, I had a doctor's appointment in Manhattan. Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Follow-up appointment. My appointment on that January day in 2019 was with Dr. Richard Wong. Dr. Richard Wong was the surgeon that was on the five-doctor team that Jesus used to rescue me from the uninvited guest. So every time I got together and seen Dr. Richard Wong, he would always talk to me about my voice. And he would say, Michael, I am trying to get them to contact you because I think you would be a good speaker, a good witness to what happened at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. So every time I spoke with Dr. Wong, we spoke about my voice because he was concerned about it. So I felt open and free to speak to him. And in 2019, he asked, well, how are things going? I said, well, Dr. Wong, I'm a little bit concerned. Why? Because I'm having extreme difficulties with the right side of my tongue. It seems that sometimes it doesn't cooperate and I'm having difficulties speaking. Consequently, it was from that encounter with the difficulty with my right tongue that for those of you that have been here for a while, you will find that is the time I no longer sang on choir because my voice would fatigue so quickly that I felt that I had more to offer in helping lead the worship than into singing praise to God. So you can imagine what happens with that. My mind just started to go. And the thought that I thought was, I wonder what will end first, my breath or my tongue. When I came back, you're only hearing this for the first time because I only told a very small amount of people. And when I told them this, I asked them to send up prayers. Prayers that just his will be done. I was grateful for the opportunity that I had for all the years at Holy Cross. Dr. Richard Wong said to me, he said, yeah, he said, your tongue began to die in 2004 because of all the radiation beams that had to go across it to get to your neck. So I came back and solicited that prayer. But I've come to this conclusion. My tongue didn't start to die in 2004. Four weeks ago, I had the opportunity to address those who came to worship on Wednesday night Vespers. And I shared with them the pathway that at the age of 22 years, I woke up one morning, I was awakened by the Lord, and I thought to myself, I'm a man without a church. And it started me on a pathway 
to get out of the world and back into a relationship with Christ. I didn't know it then. But that's when my tongue started to die. You see, as time passed, God changed the way I spoke. He changed the things that used to come out of my mouth. I was a 22-year-old construction worker. Do I have to say any more? The tongue was not used in the way that God had intended it to be used. And as time passed, and I was encouraged and began to participate in the study of God's word, the world started to get fading to me. And I started to leave the way of the world and embrace more of the way of the word. And that is where God began to have my tongue die. Die to the world. But life in Christ. And speak of those things that he would share with me. I can remember going through the Bible study and I had the, the wherewithal to finally come to terms with the fact that I could not stay silent because I know this is hard to believe. You could be in my presence for three hours and I wouldn't say but hello and goodbye. I didn't speak. I just stood with my arms crossed and God changed all that. And the one Bible study group that we were going to put together and sit at table, I called a friend of mine, Tom Seyfried. Now, Thomas was the assistant manager of Pendon. And I called him up and I said, Tommy, I said, I'm inviting you to participate in a Bible study with me. I'm just trying to illustrate where God took me from and how he changed my tongue. Tommy's response was, Michael, you don't look the part. And I'm talking, I said, Tommy, I don't, what do you mean I don't look the part? He said, you look like the kind of guy that should be in a bar picking up women, not teaching the Bible. That's how much of a difference the gospel of Jesus Christ has changed my tongue. I love to hear the words and speak the words that scripture uses. If fallen asleep in the Lord. He's at rest with his fathers. When speaking of a person who has white hair, they are like an almond tree in full bloom. Wonderful language. Wishing people the peace of God instead of shaking your fist at them. He changed my tongue. This, I believe, is a witness to what Paul is speaking to us today. We are called to die to the world and live in Christ. And he will change us in such a way that we won't even be able to comprehend. But I have to tell you the truth. If Dr. Richard Wong does not say to me, 
your tongue is dying. I'd have never been able to just share with you what I shared because I didn't see it until after we had that conversation in 2019. We died with Christ. We were raised with him. He has a purpose for us like being part of social ministry and going out and caring for others. He will change the way he uses us to fulfill his purpose. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. Be thou my best thought in the day and the night. Waking or sleeping, thy presence my life.